Well, good morning, good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday, amen? amen? All right, we can do a little bit better. Jesus is risen from the dead. Happy Resurrection Sunday, amen? amen? Come on, come on. Welcome to Hillside Christian Fellowship. We're so glad you're here. How are you doing, Angelica? Matt, they clean up pretty well for Easter. I think so. Look I think at so. that. Y'all are looking good. Real good, real, real good. good. And uh, I saw some real ties, good. which is awesome. And uh, so some ladies dressing really well. Super awesome. Cool Super hat. Awesome. We try. 
<laughs> hey, we just want to welcome you uh, to Hillside Christian Fellowship this morning. I got this really cool verse. I'm sure you've heard it before. It comes from John chapter 11, and this is what it says. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives, believes in me, he shall never die. Do you believe this? Do we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life this morning? Amen, amen. Well, we just want to welcome you to Hillside. Angelica's got some super awesome things to let you know. Indeed, I do. I hope you all came ready to celebrate today because we have some good news up in here. There is a tomb that is empty, yes? Come on. And our Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, well, hey, if this is your first time here, I just want to say welcome. We are thrilled and honored to have you here. Um, it's our desire that you enjoy yourself. We would also love to get to know you a little better. Um, and you can help us out by actually, Matt, you want to be Vienna White for me today? Yeah. Look, that's going to show us our information card. There we go. Um, you'll find that in the seat back pockets in front of you. Look at him. He's a natural. Um, if you wouldn't mind filling that out. And then at the end of service, we have an information table in the back. Um, and we would love to answer any questions, um, but we'll trade you that for a mug. So you want to make sure you do that. Also, Vienna. I have some more cards for you. <laughs> uh, we have a prayer request card as well as a praise report card. And you'll also find those in the seat back pockets in front of you. You could also be an airline attendant, I think. <laughs> um, so whether this is your first time here or you've come for hundreds of Sundays, um, we would love to stand in the gap and pray for you all. So please let us know how we can do that. Awesome, awesome. And please make sure you read your programs. We have a lot of awesome announcements, but we're not going to announce anything this morning, so make sure you read those. And with that being said, in the next minute, 37 seconds, go shake someone's hand, give 16 people a hug, tell them you love them, tell them Happy Easter, and we'll begin worship again soon.
Hey, we're going to continue in worship, and we're going to have a good time in praise and worship. I want you to dance this morning a little bit.
amen. He lives. He lives. Amen. Wow.
Hallelujah. 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 Father God, we come to you this morning with celebration in our hearts. Truly with celebration in our hearts, God. Jesus has overcome. The grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. We celebrate on this Easter, on this Resurrection Sunday. We give you thanks, Father, for your great plan of redemption. Your great plan to set men free. And so, Lord, we celebrate. Today, Father, we ask that you would bless the remainder of today's service, God. Thank you for the time in worship. We pray, God, today for the body of Christ right here. Those that are present here today, those that are unable to be here today at Hillside, Lord, we pray. We pray, Father, that you would find great delight in meeting the needs of your children. We pray, Lord, that every need would be met according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you are the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. So, Lord, will you touch? Will you heal? Will you encourage? Will you build up? Will you provide? Will you open doors? Will you shut doors? Lord, will you speak words of encouragement to those that are downtrodden, those that are discouraged, those that are depressed? Father, will you speak life by your Spirit? And Lord, will you lift up? Thank you, Father, that you, you enable us to lift up and our countenance can be raised. We can find joy in the midst of trial and tribulation. For you are the one that walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death, that we might fear no evil, that your rod and your staff, they would comfort us. So, Lord, thank you. We praise you. We ask, Lord, for the body of Christ across this greater North Clackamas area. We pray for all of the church, the body of Christ represented in many local fellowships. We pray, Lord, that you would bless those services today as they worship Jesus, today as they teach and preach the gospel. Lord, we pray that you would bless. Bless, and may today be a day of harvest. A day of harvest in the kingdom of God where people say yes to Jesus. And so, Lord, we give you thanks. We ask that you'd bless the remainder of this service. And as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, Father, may our hearts be challenged. May our hearts be comforted. And Lord, may you be glorified. We love you. We praise you, and we ask these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said a strong amen. Amen. God bless you. Hug someone as you're being seated this morning. God bless. Okay, is it warm up here? This Easter Sunday, as we're gathered together, I'm going to invite the ushers now to come as we prepare for the offering and the tithes and the missions and the alms this morning. Good morning.
Easter is our time of year where we as Christians get to celebrate new life, eternal life. Son who's given so that we might have life and life abundant. And let's all be reminded that we need to be faithful too in our giving of our finances to the Lord. So let's just bow our heads and let's pray this morning. Lord, this Resurrection Sunday, we thank you that we can give to you our first fruit. That we can give to you because of the wondrous cross, Lord. And I ask that uh, you would just bless the offering so that we can further the gospel throughout the Clackamas area, throughout Oregon, throughout the country, throughout the world. Because it's about you. It's about the life of you. So may we be first in giving. We give you thanks today in your son's name.
thank you that we do gather here at the feet of Jesus and we want to sit at your feet and be blessed. That's our desire. Bless the rest of this celebration. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Am I the only one that's like super hot in here right now? Wow! I thought maybe I had a fever or something. I'm up here sweating. I had to go get a little towel to wipe the sweat from my brow. I'm like, man, it's hopping in here. But someone turned the oven on. I think I lost about six pounds. That's awesome. Yeah, right. Hey, it's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. Come on. Amen. Someone give it up for the Lord. Yeah. I've seen some of you on a Sunday afternoon get more excited in a football game or a Friday night at a football game. And I just want you to know the greatest victory ever, ever was accomplished on Resurrection Sunday. Listen, death, the power of death, the Bible says, the power of death, which is the devil, was defeated. It does not get any better than that. That's very exciting for you and for me. And so today as we celebrate, I really want to encourage you I think sometimes when we think of the nation Israel and when we look at Israel's past, we have this idea that the Israelites were very somber people and that somehow God is upset or very overlooking in terms of their shoulder and was on them like white on rice riding them. And I just want you to know something. That's not how God is. That is not how God is. God is loving. And in his great love, he, he delivered his children Israel out of bondage, out of slavery, and brought them into a place of freedom and liberty. That is amazing. And the children of Israel, when we see this whole sacrificial system of the nation of Israel, and we think, wow, that's something very different. I'm not familiar with that. Sometimes we lose sight that the sacrifice in our vernacular would be more like a barbecue. It's a feast. There was an offering that was with it. The shed blood was making a covering, if you will. But the meat was eaten. And it was a celebration because of what God had done. Now, how many of us like barbecues? We do. And so what I want you to do for a moment, now, you have to wrap yourself around this. For those of us whose faith is in Jesus Christ, 
man, our sin is forgiven. That's exciting. I mean, that is exciting. Listen, if your sin isn't forgiven, your destiny is the destiny that was planned and prepared for your adversary, the devil. That's not a very bright hope. But if your sin is forgiven in Jesus. Eternal life. We're on our way to heaven. And that's something worthy to celebrate. And so the children of Israel recognized the levity of those feasts that they celebrated like the Feast of Passover. And we'll talk about it in just a minute. That was such a massive deal on an annual basis the men would make their way, they'd take their families, and they'd get to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. It represented something that had transpired in their history where God brought deliverance for 430 years. They were in captivity, and God saw their anguish. God heard their cry, and he came down to deliver his people. And he did something amazing. He told them to have a feast on the night of Passover, the 14th day of the month of Nisan. You will have a celebration. Four days earlier on the 10th of Nisan, they would bring a lamb into their house, a lamb that had been inspected of one year or younger. And they would make sure that it was without spot or blemish. And they would bring that lamb into their house. And it would become a part of their family for four days. And the reason for that is so they would understand the cost of the deliverance. The cost of the deliverance from the judgment that was coming. And so on that 14th day, they sacrificed the lamb. And they barbecued and ate. The family was all together in the house and they ate the meal. But prior to that, they would take a branch, a hyssop branch, and they would dip it in the blood and they would paint it on the doorposts of the house. And on the lintel, they would paint the blood. And on that night, when the judgment of God was passing through Egypt, Every house that had the blood covering, the judgment of God passed over that house. And everyone who was inside and under the covering of the blood, the judgment of death passed over. And the children of Israel experienced delivery, not only delivery from the judgment but delivery from the bondage and the delivery of the slavery. And we celebrate on Easter, Jesus is the Passover lamb. And it is in the covering of his blood. By faith, we put our faith in Christ. We enter into relationship with Jesus. We come into the Lord and he is 
our Passover lamb. He is the covering and the judgment of death that every one of us deserves has been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The precious blood of Christ. Not only the death that we deserved are we delivered from, someone say amen, but also the the absolute bondage of sin. It has been broken over us and we have been delivered from bondage and slavery to sin by the work that Jesus Christ accomplished upon the cross at Calvary. Why is Easter a celebration? And I got, a, I got news for you. It's not about eggs and it's not about bunnies. It's not. But it is a celebration. It's a celebration what Christ did for you and for me. And that is something to get excited about. Hallelujah. Come on. All right. Well, that was the introduction. (laughs) Now, for those of you who are regulars here, I want you to know that we do get excited about church. We do get excited about the study of the Word of God. Amen? Amen, right? Because the Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so we want to dive into the Word of God. It is, it is our life. The life. All right. Well, we've been in our study in the book of Revelation. And today... We're coming out of Revelation. And it is an unusual Easter portion of Scripture. In fact, most people would say, (coughs) PD, (laughs) that is not an Easter passage at all. (laughs) Well, follow along with me, will you? Revelation chapter 13. For those of you who are in our regular study, we have been introduced already to, well, five of seven personages. In other words, there's some symbolism here. We've seen five of them, and Revelation chapter 13 will give us the final two personages, if you will, some imagery. The first is this beast that comes out of the sea. And for those of you who are interested, that is, in fact, the Antichrist. Okay, we're not going there today, so just you can be heads up on that. The second half of chapter 13 is the beast out of the earth. It is the false prophet or the anti-spirit, if you will, which makes up the unholy trinity, our devil, the devil who has been our adversary from the very beginning. He is mimicking God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit in the serpent or the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet. That is the unholy trinity. And we get the whole picture put together for us in Revelation chapter 13. Someone say, wow. I know you're like overwhelmed. (laughs) Kaboom. (laughs) Easter. (laughs) But here's something amazing. In the middle of the chapter, we're introduced to two things. And they're quintessential to the Easter story. They are absolutely magnanimous in their volume. Read with me verse 8. I'll read, you follow along. How's that? 
It says, all who dwell on earth will worship him. Now, let me stop there for a moment. The him right here, small h, I am, the, that him is the beast out of the sea and all whose names are not written in the Lamb's book will worship the Antichrist. That's scary, but that's not where we're going. It says, all who dwell on earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What I want to do this morning is look at those two thoughts, those two realities. The Lamb slain and the book. The Lamb and the book. Now, in these two are the essence of the Easter story. Let's start with the Lamb. The Lamb. John the Baptist, in the Gospel of John the Apostle, in the first chapter, John the Apostle writes of John the, uh, of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, in verse 29, it says, the next day... He's walking, he's got some of his disciples with him, and he sees Jesus. And he says to his disciples, Behold! The Lamb of God that takes or who takes away the sin of the world. Now John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. And John the Baptist recognizes because he is a Jewish male, he understands all of the Mosaic law because every Jew in the first century understood the Mosaic law, just like I'm sure every one of us sitting here does. Probably not. But they did. And John certainly did. Here's the thing. Not only was John Jesus' cousin, older cousin, John's dad was Zacharias. Zacharias, who was a priest in the division of Abiah, and he served in the temple. He certainly understood the ceremonies and the feasts of Israel. And in the Mosaic Law, there are seven feasts. There are three feasts in the springtime. There's one feast in the summer. And there are three feasts in the fall. You would be familiar with some of them. Like, for instance, if I mentioned the Day of Atonement, you might understand that as a fall feast. That is also known as Yom Kippur. How many of us have heard of Yom Kippur? Sure. We may not know all what's associated with that in Judaism, but we have heard of it. I would note also that there are two additional feasts 
that are not part of the Mosaic law. There are two feasts that came about, one through the, you'd see it in the story of Esther, and another kind of in about 167 uh, B.C., which you and I understand as Hanukkah, and the other is the Feast of Purim from Esther. But we're not going to look at those. We want to just focus today on the three spring feasts because Jesus, the Lamb, fulfills all of the feasts. Remember Jesus said this, I have not come to abolish the law, but I have come what? To fulfill the law. Therefore, Jesus was declaring, I will fulfill all of the Mosaic law, all of the prophets. And it contained within the Mosaic law are the feasts. And he is a fulfillment of those feasts. And in it, we see the story of Easter. Let's look at the first feast in the springtime, the feast of Passover. Now this morning, I would love to develop our understanding of what was transpiring. I've given a little history as to why Passover occurred in the time of the exodus out of Egypt for 430 years. That death plague, if you will, was the 10th plague, and afterwards the children of Israel were released. And God established something, a holy convocation. It's a high Sabbath that Passover would be celebrated annually, annually. And he actually shifted their whole calendar. I don't have time this morning to go into the detail there, but it absolutely is amazing. Nisan used to be the seventh month, and he said from here on out it will be the first month. And the first month of Tishri will now be the seventh month. For you Bible students, there's some significance associated with that. I encourage you to study that on your own. But here, the Passover. Something fascinating. Remember I said that on the 10th day of Nisan, the males would bring their lamb to be inspected in the city of Jerusalem three times a year. Three times a year, every Jewish male of a certain age and older would make their way to Jerusalem. Those three times were the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of the Day of Atonement. They would make their way. And so you can imagine, put your, just wrap yourself around this for a moment, because this is so, it's amazing. How many of you absolutely love Christmas? Six of us. Awesome. <laughs> I know it's more of you than that. <laughs> How many of you love Thanksgiving? <laughs> Seconds. <laughs> How many of you love butter? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> we think most often of those holidays because family gets together and we do things together and we have tradition. I know already on Thanksgiving morning, after our little football game that we have in the mud, we're going to have orange danishes. I can't wait. It's tradition at the Morris house. We have eggs. We have little smoky link sausages. 
It's tradition, and it's what our family does. And the Israelites had tradition, and they would celebrate as families as they transitioned and made their way from their hometown to the city of Jerusalem. And they also knew why they were going. They were going to celebrate what God had done, to celebrate. And here's the thing, that 10th of Nisan, the men would come in with their lambs and have them inspected. Here's the interesting thing. Pastor Dennis last week, shared the story of the triumphal entry. Jesus entered into the city on the 10th of Nisan. He was being inspected, and the people said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. They were giving the approval. He will be a satisfactory offering. He was with them for four days, just like the lamb would be with the family for four days. Then on that last Passover meal, you see, The Jews don't look at the daily calendar like you and I do. We woke up this morning, and it was the 27th of March. For them, their day begins at dusk and ends at dusk. So evening and morning the first day. You can read that in Genesis. Now then, he had that supper with them, the last supper, and then in the morning, he was crucified. As a sufficient sacrifice, he became the Passover lamb. Does that make sense? So, he shed his blood, and if you will, his blood was like the blood on the doorpost and the blood on the lentil. There was an up post and there was a cross post. And his blood being shed upon the cross, he became the curse for us. And it is in his shed blood that we have covering or atonement, if you will. And so, he is the fulfillment. Again, he has broken the power of sin. The power of death, that is the devil, has been broken. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 reminds us. Now then, for us, it is a celebration. Yes, there's death. The Bible says without Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But here's the good news for you and I. Jesus died the death for you and I. That's worthy of celebration. That's worthy of celebration. Now then, that leads us into the second feast. You see, immediately following Passover on the 14th of Nisan, the next day was the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it lasts for seven days. Now, again, I don't have time to... Fill in all of the blanks for you Bible students. I would encourage you to do a study on the feasts of Israel. It will strengthen your faith. You will be encouraged by the absolute perfection and design of Almighty God. I mean, it's so powerful. But understand this. Just prior to Passover, part of the meal of the Passover is unleavened bread. On the 13th of Nisan, they had to clean every house of any bread with leaven in it. It had to be out. They had to get it out. Now, you think, well, man, that sounds like a lot of work. And I suspect it really is a lot of work. Imagine if you had to get all the bread, all the crackers, and everything out of your cupboards and in your bedrooms, That had leaven in it. 
what they would do is they would make it a game with the kids. They would hide little muffins and rolls in the house, and the kids would go around and try and find the leavened bread, and they'd eat it. It was like a treat. But they had to get it all out. There's a typology for you and I in that. I'll just say it like this. Twofold. Number one, the cleaning part has two sides. All the moms say, man, that'd be a lot of work. Sweeping the floor, getting the crumbs, getting it all out. That'd be tough. And all the kids are like, hide some more, hide some more. Remember, Jesus told us to become like little children. Here's the type. Leaven is a type of sin. And for those of us who have come under the covering of Passover... The next thing we are doing in our lives is living a holy life or an unleavened life, a life without sin. And so often you and I, we think about the removal of sin in our life as, oh man, this is hard. Well, I don't like this. I like my sin better. It's not very easy to get sin in our lives. But I want to tell you something. If you will approach your faith in Christ like a little child, and discover the joy of living your life holy. When something is revealed to you that's sin, you'll be like so excited to find it and just go get it out of the house and make it joyful. The kids had fun getting rid of all that stuff. It's all in our approach. Does that make sense? And so I don't have time today to develop the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Just understand it lasted for seven full days. And it's an amazing, amazing typology of our sanctification. The Passover, our salvation. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, our sanctification. Oh, that God would help us change our attitude towards sin. That we would begin to really hate sin and find delight in discovering it and just getting out of our lives. Amen? Amen. And I want to tell you, if you need a change of heart in that regard, we're going to pray this morning for that very thing, that we would discover the joy of getting rid of sin and living holy unto the Lord because of the joy that we receive from our relationship with God. It's so very, very exciting. Now then, you have Passover on the 14th and the sun. You have the eradication of the leaven on the 13th. You have Passover on the 14th. You have the beginning from the 15th through the 22nd, you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But here's the interesting thing. The Bible tells us that on the morrow of the Sabbath will be the Feast of First Fruits. And on the week that Jesus came into Jerusalem, was betrayed, was crucified, there were three Sabbaths. There was the Sabbath of Passover, that high Sabbath, that holy convocation, there was the high Sabbath, the holy convocation of the beginning of the unleavened bread feast, and then there was the normal weekly Sabbath, the last day of the week. And it was on the morning after. In fact, turn in your Bibles real quickly with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. This is where it gets really exciting. You see, the next feast we're looking at is the Feast of First Fruits. And Leviticus chapter 23 tells us what they were to do, and you should read Leviticus chapter 23. It'll be worth your while. All the feasts are mentioned there. 
And the Feast of First Fruits was the beginning of the season of harvest. The beginning, remember, this is an agricultural group. And so the beginning of harvest is a big thing. And they were to bring in the first sheaves and bring them to the priest, and the priest would have a wave offering. They would also offer a lamb at that time for sacrifice. But it was a celebration that the harvest had begun. Now then, Matthew chapter 28. It says this. Now, after the Sabbath, and if you read that in the Greek, you'd see that it says Sabbaths, and so he's in reference to those three Sabbaths. It says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. He is risen indeed. He is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, ran to bring his disciples' word. Jesus fulfills the feast of first fruits, the first fruits of the harvest, because even Paul the Apostle tells us that he is the first fruits of the resurrection. Jesus was the beginning of of the harvest, if you will. Remember, Jesus used that idiom often in reference to the harvest. Remember, at one point in time, his disciples said, uh, they, they were talking, and they were talking about a few things, and he says, uh, you say three months until the harvest. He says, I say to you, look unto the fields. They are white unto harvest. Now, was he at that point talking about the grain fields? No. He was talking about the entire town of the Samaritans because the woman had brought the whole town out. And I'm sure just as he spread his hand like this, they looked over his shoulder and here over the knoll came, comes the entire town of the Samaritans. And he says, behold, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. He was in reference to salvation and mankind's eternal destiny in heaven. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. He has made it possible for all men to enter into heaven through faith in him. And so, we have these three spring feasts. Jesus fulfills all three of them on that very week. It should be noteworthy that from the 14th of Nisan to the 17th of Nisan, is three days. Jesus said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. At one point in time, the disciples were pointing out the temple and how nice and how beautiful the temple was. And he says, do you see these stones? Not one will remain upon another. And at another time, 
They were talking about the temple. And he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the scripture tells us that the temple he was referring to was the temple of his body. Three days and three nights, and he came forth on that morning. He fulfilled the feast of Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, and the feast of first fruits. Here's the good news. We're looking forward to the completion of the harvest. Amen? There is harvesting is going on right now. There are people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There are those who are taking refuge, if you will, in Jesus under his covering, the atonement. And so that brings us to my second point, which is a short one. Someone say amen. The second point and the final point, the book of life. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8 referred to the book of life of the Lamb slain. Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain. Jesus rose from the dead, and there is a book in heaven. It's heaven's roll book. And the completion of redemption is in process right now. The book of life contains the names of all who have said yes to Jesus by faith. All. All can find salvation. All can discover victory in the process of sanctification, that unleavened bread life. And there is a day, it is our blessed hope, the harvest will be complete. And the Lord Jesus will descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will be with the Lord forever. And so, today on this Easter, March 27, 2016, is your name written in the Lamb's book? The Bible tells us there's only one way to get one's name written in the Lamb's book. Only one way. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Is your name written in the Lamb's book? I'm going to give you a moment to digest that. For those of you who say, yes, my name is already in the book. I know my name's in the book. But I struggle with leaven in my life. I'm struggling with the leaven. You see, I've got to the place where removing the leaven is kind of like that adult mechanical thing. I'm, I just struggle with it. I don't like doing the cleaning of the house. I don't like the removal of the leaven. I don't. I, in fact, I like the leaven more than I do the unleavened. We're going to pray for you to have that childlike faith to discover the joy of being a child again when the Lord reveals the leaven you'll say yes and you'll get a hold of it and you'll just chuck it out the window and be done with it and be done with it and discover the joy of living 
for the Lord, honoring what he has done for us, for you individually, for me individually, to honor him and find the joy of being liberated from the bondage of sin and the slavery to sin that those chains would be cut. Can someone say amen? I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment. I know it's warm in here, but I want to take a moment. And I would ask that you would be very respectful, that everybody would close their eyes. There's no one immune. Please honor the moment. With eyes closed and heads bowed, you're here this morning and you realize that you have not come under the blood covering of Jesus Christ by faith. You have not seen or recognized His sacrifice was so that your sin could be covered and the judgment of death that everyone is due would pass over you because of His shed blood covering your life. And you'd say, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ today and have my sin covered. If that is you and you would like to be included in our prayer, will you simply indicate that to me by raising your hand where you are and say, remember me. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. And that one. God bless you. And that one. God bless you. Are there others? You'd say, I want to come under the blood covering. I'll just look for a moment. I see that hand right there. Thank you, sir. God bless you. I see that one back here. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands. Thank you, Lord. Second question. You know the Lord. Your name is written in his book. And you know that, but you struggle with the letter. And you want that childlike faith to look at the leaven very differently, not for the satisfaction that it brings your taste buds, so to speak, and you want to just gobble the muffin down because it just satisfies your flesh, but you want to look at it and say, no, that is not good for my flesh, and I want to eradicate it from my house that you would look at it not so much as laborsome, but you would find the delight in living holy unto the Lord. If that's you, and you'd say, man, I want to be included in that prayer, would you simply raise your hand, indicate that to me where you're at? Okay, lots of hands. Yes, amen, amen. Praise God. You can put your hands down. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. And we're going to pray in just a moment. I do want you to know, for those of you who said yes to Jesus, I want you to understand something very quickly. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. There is no formula or prayer that we must pray in order to be saved. Does everybody understand that? It is with the confession of our mouth and the belief in our heart. 
So I'm going to invite you to say this with a hearty voice. We're going to say Jesus Christ is Lord. If you raised your hand today and said, I want to come under that covering of Jesus. I want to be under that blood. I want you with everything inside of you to just declare Jesus Christ is Lord. We'll do it on the count of three in just a moment. I want to invite you to discover what it means to believe that God raised him from the dead. The disciples, and you can read this in Acts chapter 17, certainly the Apostle Paul, as was his custom, when he came into a town, he went immediately to the synagogue and would spend two to three weeks teaching in the synagogue and demonstrating from the Old Testament how Christ, how the Messiah must die, must suffer, and then rise from the dead. Paul the Apostle was an eyewitness. Peter himself also made that same declaration. Jesus Christ had to raise from the dead because the prophets and the law declared that he would. The scripture says, you will not let your Holy One see decay. So Christ rose from the dead, validating everything that he said. That's powerful. Peter was an eyewitness. The disciples were an eyewitness. At one point in time, there were over 500 eyewitnesses that saw Christ raised from the dead. Extra-biblical history books declare Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Messiah, for he rose from the dead. You can check it out. In Antiquity of the Jews by Flavius Josephus, a historian. Fascinating and reality for you and I. We believe by faith. Thomas got to put his hand in Jesus' side. Thomas got to feel where the nail prints were. And he said, Thomas, blessed are you because you have seen and believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and believed. That's you and I. That's you and I. On the count of three, will you declare with me, Jesus Christ is Lord. One, two, three. Jesus Christ is Lord. All right, now that's out here. Yeah, come on. Now there's a coach inside of me, and that was okay. But I got a sneaky suspicion that when we enter into heaven, we'll probably make a little more noise than that. I'm going to invite you this morning on Easter declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I know some of you. Right? You're, a little, you're a little more proper than I am. You're... I got news for you. When you see Jesus, all your properness is going to fall by the wayside, and we're going to be looking at you going, say what? Because <laughs> you're going to be doing some kind of a jig that we've never seen you do before. On the count of three, we're going to make a little more noise. Jesus Christ is Lord. Are you ready? Are you ready? One, two, three. Jesus Christ is Lord. Woo! Hallelujah. Let's celebrate today. Let's celebrate every day the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And we can live in resurrection life all the time. Remember, the power of death has been broken. That is the devil. The devil has no power over you any longer because you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. For those of you who said yes to Jesus, in the back we have some decision cards. Our worship team is going to come. They're going to play one more song. We're going to sing, and then we're going to be dismissed. They're going to pray, and then we'll be dismissed. And we'll have some folks standing back there in the back. If you made a decision today for Jesus, we would love to know that so we can get some helps for you in your walk with the Lord. For the rest of us, let's live that unleavened life. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Pastor Dennis. sing My Redeemer Lives after Pastor Dave was getting us a shout. My Redeemer Lives My Redeemer